Thank you, Pastor Tom. Thank you. While you're standing, let's go ahead and lift our hearts to God and thank Him for a great day. Father, we are so thankful for Jesus. We're so thankful for Your revealed love toward us. Father, as we come here today, we don't have to ask or question, do you love me? You demonstrated Your love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And Lord, we're so thankful that Jesus, not only did He die for us, but He rose from the dead for us. He is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. He is our Healer. He is our Advocate. He is our Provider. And Jesus, we are so thankful uh, for Your presence, for the presence of the Spirit that You and the Father sent to us. And Lord, we just thank You that we're here today fellowshipping with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost and in partnership and, and just celebrating as part of the, the eternal party of the Trinity. Uh, Lord, we thank You for Your presence and Your joy in us and through us today. Thank You for blessing our ears as we hear, our hearts as we believe. Thank You for confirming Your Word with signs following. And we thank You for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Uh, I'll tell you, it's a joy to be here. My only regret is that Pastor Mark and Brenda are not here because they're some of my favorite people. Uh, there's not a week that goes by that Pastor Mark and I don't talk three, maybe four times a week and things like that. And, um, but the one consolation I have is that even though they're not here, uh, Pastor Brenda left me some cookies. So hallelujah. Uh, uh, the spatula of the Spirit came through. And has set me free and brought me into the land of joy and uh, bigger waistline. <laughs> that part's not good. But anyway, love Brenda's cookies as well. But uh, pastors Mark and Brenda are truly some outstanding people. You are blessed to have great, great pastors like that. And I'm excited for the opportunity and the privilege to fill in for them while uh, they're getting some R&R. And uh, we want to just celebrate with them, keep them lifted up, and uh, pray that it really will be a really enriching time for them. I want to talk to you this morning and tonight about what I'm going to call, if I, I'm not very good at titles, but if there was a title for what I'm going to talk to you about today and this evening, I want to talk to you about multi-dimensional ministry. Multi-dimensional ministry. And I want to share this from the standpoint of you and I developing an appreciation for the different ways, the manifold ways, the diversified ways that God wants to work in our lives and through our lives. Instead of just having a narrow tunnel vision, uh, one-dimensional perspective of how God wants to work, uh, you know, you look around and can't you just tell that we live in a very diverse world? Oh, look at all the colors in nature. Look at all the, the different kinds of animals, the different kinds of plants, the, the different kinds of birds. It's just, you know, when you look at God's creation, you realize that He is not a one-dimensional God. He's a multi-dimensional God. And yet God does operate within some pretty clear uh, principles and, and patterns. And so, you know, we don't want to just throw everything open to a free-for-all where it's chaotic and erratic. But one person said this, if the only tool that you have in your toolkit is a hammer, it's amazing how much everything looks like a nail. 
Stop and think about that. If the only tool that you have in your toolkit is a hammer, it's amazing how much everything looks like a nail. And I'm sharing what I'm sharing today from uh, a background of 30, uh, well, most, I'm in my 35th year of ministry. And Pastor Mark and Brenda and I all came from the same Bible school, so we all had the same basic foundational training. And, 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 and I can't tell you how thankful I am for the training that we had in the Word of God. And one of the verses that I'm going to share with you today is in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And this is a verse that was taught to Pastor Mark, Pastor Brenda, and myself when we were going through Bible school. Of course, they were there a few years before I was. And that's not a reference to anybody being older than uh, that. No reference there whatsoever. They just happened to be there before I was. And um, it's where Jesus... Uh, it explains what Jesus' ministry was focused on. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Notice there's three things that Jesus did. Number one, teaching. Everybody say teaching. Teaching in their synagogues. Now, that's where the religious folks gathered for their services. So, you know, these were people that were, you know, probably devout. They were attending their, you know, religious services. So he was teaching people. But not only did he teach in the synagogue, but secondly, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. And third, healing every sickness and disease, every sickness and every disease among the people. And so it was taught to us, you know, based on this scripture, that Jesus did three primary things in his ministry. What did he do? Number one was what? Teaching. Number two was preaching. Number three was healing. And if you've ever noticed that, that coming out of Pastor Mark and Brenda's heart is, is that same emphasis. Have you noticed that? that that's a part of, of their fabric, the fabric of their DNA, uh, is, is the teaching of God's Word. Why? Because we believe that the Word of God is powerful. We believe that if you continue in the Word, then you are a disciple. And the truth will make you free. Uh, we believe that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Teaching and preaching, I'm telling you, the preaching of the gospel, that's the preaching of the good news. How many of you know we need good news in the world today? There is no shortage of bad news. And, and I don't, you know, pay attention to what's going on. I, pay it, I watch the news and things like that. But I make sure I don't watch it all the time. Because you don't want to just feed on the negativity and the despondency and the hopelessness. This world is running out of solutions. You understand that? This world is, is, you know, not in great shape. But I'll tell you what, we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And um, I'll tell you what, I understand the world is grim and the world is, is, is facing, you know, huge challenges. But I'll tell you what, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. 
And if there was ever a day when people, believers, needed to be established in the teaching of the Word and need to hear the proclamation of the good news, and the world, I'm telling you what, the world needs to hear the proclamation of the good news. They need to understand that there is hope for the hopeless. Uh, There is strength for the weak. There are new beginnings for people that feel like they've come to the end of their rope. Jesus went about teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And thirdly, what did He do? He went about healing every sickness and every disease among the people. We serve a healing Jesus. We serve a miracle-working God. And I know that when I went to Bible school, I heard that emphasized again and again. Brother Hagin would take us to that scripture, and he would say, Now, Jesus did three things in his ministry. And and he he would have us recite them. And I mean, we could say in our sleep, teaching, preaching, and healing. Teaching, preaching, and healing. And we understood that because, you know, we are called to be His representatives and we were at Bible school to get trained and and, uh, we were there because we felt we had a call of God upon our life. And also, I was 20 years old when I went to Bible school. I knew everything. I wish you'd known me when I was 20. I was so much smarter than I am now that I'm 35 years old. I, I had it all figured out then. And uh, and seriously, I I had a lot of youthful zeal, youthful, you know, idealism, um, you you know, and I'm not saying every young person is like that, but I thought I knew everything. And I thought, seriously, I thought as soon as I graduate from Bible school, I am going to go out and I'm going to do what Jesus did because Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also and greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. And so when I graduated from Bible school, I was going to go out and I was going to do three things. Do you know what I was going to do? I was going to teach, I was going to preach, and I was going to heal. And, and in my mind, I thought that I was single-handedly going to save the world. I just thought I was going to single-handedly save the world. Well, I ended up at a church, and um, my first year of Bible school, I was a janitor at the church. And they didn't really let me do any teaching or preaching or healing. (laughs) Unless you call emptying the dirty diapers in the nursery, I guess that's a form of healing. Um, You'd need healing if you didn't empty that sooner or later, but, you know, I just, I just cleaned toilets and swept the rugs, and, um, and I just couldn't wait till the day when I would become a preacher so I could teach and preach and heal. And so, after my first year of Bible school, that church allowed me to become an assistant pastor at the church. So I'm thinking, wow, now's my big opportunity. I'm going to get, now I still, I was going to school, my second year of Bible school, and doing that in the morning, and then going to work at the church as an assistant pastor in the afternoon and evening. And I thought, now's my big time. I'm going to get to teach. I'm going to get to preach. I'm going to get to heal. And um, I didn't, they didn't really tell me to do that. They said, Tony, we want you to pick up the phone. We want you to call all the people that visited the church and, you know, kind of be a PR person, liaison, find out what kind of questions. So I started, I'd call all the first-time visitors. Thank you for coming to our church. And what brought you? Do you have any questions? And 
things like that. And, and, he, and the pastor also asked me to visit them in their homes and just, you know, express care from the church and things like that. And to be honest, I didn't think that was very important because I just wanted to teach, preach, and heal. I didn't want to call people on the phone. I didn't want to go visit them in their home because I just figured if they listened to what was taught and preached and come up for prayer lines, they wouldn't need anything else. And the pastor also wanted me to visit people in the hospital. And, well, I guess you can consider that an opportunity to pray for healing, but I just thought, you know, you, they really don't let you preach a long time in the hospital. You can't sit there and teach them a long Bible lesson, which I wanted to teach a long time. I wanted to teach sermons and preach messages and things like that, because that's what Jesus did was he taught and he preached, and then he healed. But, but you know, they had me make hospital visits. They had me do counseling where people would come in and sit down and share their problems with me. And, and I, would, I was just kind of thinking, well, if they just listened to what we taught... They wouldn't need this. You know, I just wish they'd let me do things that really, you know, like teach a lot, preach a lot. I just wanted to teach and preach. And I guess that's one thing you want to do when you're called to be a teacher or a preacher. But to be honest, I was at a point where I kind of loved the idea of teaching and preaching. I loved the idea of teaching and preaching more than I loved the people that I was supposed to be ministering to. I... I had some understanding that we're called to teach and preach and heal, but I loved the process more than the, the people. And I actually saw some of the problems and some of the things that people were dealing with and all that. I just thought, well, if they just hear the teaching, they wouldn't need this type of thing. And something really interesting happened when... After three and a half years of being an assistant pastor at this church, I was asked to go teach at a Bible school, teach at Rhema. And um, when I left that position, now really I'm 24 years old at this time. I'm still really young. Uh, when I was asked you know, to take that other position and, and accept it, I was going to preach my farewell sermon at the church where I'd been an assistant pastor at. And by that time... At the end of my three and a half years there, the pastor had let me do a lot of teaching and preaching. And so I was really pumped up about that. I was, I was doing what I loved to do. And I had, I, if I can call this probably some pride, some vanity. But in my mind, I began to wonder, what are people going to say when I have preached my last sermon... And, and the pastor, when I got done preaching, he said, Hey, Tony and Lisa have been here for three and a half years. Uh, actually, four and a half if you count the year as janitor. They said, Come up and just tell them, you know, goodbye and express your love to them. And I was waiting for people. This is my vain imagination. I was waiting for everybody to come up and say, Oh, Tony, that sermon you preached on this topic, oh, it changed my life. The Bible series that you did on the blood covenant or faith or prayer, that what you taught from the pulpit changed my... I was expecting people to come up and express thanks and appreciation for all the different sermons that I had taught and different things like that. Not one person that night came up and said thank you for any sermon, didn't say thank you for any Bible class, didn't say thank you for... Anything that I had done from the pulpit. But you know what people came up and said thank you for? 
People said, thank you for that time when our daughter was rushed into the hospital for emergency surgery and you came up and sat with us until the doctors came out and said everything was okay. Tony, thank you for that time when my mother died and, and you not only met us at the hospital to comfort us, but then you went with us to the funeral home and you, you sat with us and helped us make decisions and helped us make arrangements. They said, thank you for that time when I lost my job and I was really scared about how I was going to take care of my family and, and you called me in because you'd heard I lost my job and, and you prayed for us to you know, find new employment and, and you gave us a whole bunch of groceries because we didn't have a paycheck coming in right then and, and thank you that you gave us a, names of a couple businessmen that we could look to and, and we found employment. Thank you so much. Here's what I found out, that every person that came up and thanked me... Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not minimizing the importance of teaching, preaching, and healing. I believe Jesus did that because it was important then. And I believe it's important today. And it was foundational. Everybody say foundational. It was foundational to Jesus' ministry then, and I believe it's foundational to ministry today. Teach, say those three with me. Teaching, preaching, and healing. If we want to make that even more concise, we can say that is the ministry of the Word and the Spirit. The ministry of the Word and the Spirit. It was foundational. Now, Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing. And let me ask you this question. How good did Jesus teach? How well did He teach? They said, never a man spoke like this. How powerfully did He preach? How anointed, how penetrating, how convicting, how, how life-changing were His words. Uh, how, how well did He heal? The Bible says He's healing every manner of sickness and every manner of disease among the people. We know that Jesus had the Spirit without measure. Any minister today, myself, Pastor Mark, anybody, we have a measure of the Spirit. But Jesus had the Spirit without measure. Unlimited, absolute anointing of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so I thought, as a young minister, I thought that if people just heard one sermon by Jesus, they would be forever and eternally changed. And, you know, when Jesus taught a Bible lesson, if people just listened to the Word, you know, they would be launched into perpetual happiness. That their life would be, you know, their marriage would be wonderful. Their finances would be wonderful. Uh, their health would be wonderful. Uh, their children would be automatically well behaved. Uh, all of the everybody would be their friend. Just if you just got one one lesson from Jesus. See, I, I so highly esteemed the teaching and the preaching and the healing. But you know what? I didn't hear. I didn't. I didn't notice the verses that followed. Look at Matthew nine thirty six. Right after Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing, in the Amplified it says, "When he saw the throngs, that's the multitude of people, he was moved with pity and sympathy for them, 
because they were, say these words with me, they were what? They were bewildered. They were harassed. They were distressed. They were dejected. And they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's a pretty, pretty grim description. They were bewildered. They were harassed. They were distressed, dejected, and helpless. Do you realize that's after Jesus had ministered to them? That's after He had taught them. That's after He had preached to them. That's after they'd been through a healing line with Jesus. Can you imagine what bad shape they were in before He ministered to them? Now, now, please don't think for a minute that I'm diminishing the importance of teaching and preaching. But even after Jesus had taught and preached and healed, when He looked around and saw all the people, that's what He saw. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, do you remember I said at the beginning of this message, if there's a title for this message, it's multi-dimensional ministry. Teaching, preaching, and healing is a dimension of ministry. But even after Jesus had taught and preached and healed, He still saw that there was some kind of lack, that there was some kind of deficiency, that there was some kind of need to come in on top of the foundation of teaching, preaching, and healing. And it was what we call pastoral ministry. This is why it's so important to be a part of a church family. Because I'm telling you, you can turn on the internet, you can turn on the radio, you can turn on the television anytime. And you know what you can get? You can get all kinds of teaching, you can get all kinds of preaching, and you can get people, put your hand on the television, I'm going to pray for your healing. And, and I'm not against any kind of gospel communication or any kind of thing that encourages people to trust God. But I'm telling you what, a television can never take the place of a local church. A computer can never take the place of a local church. Because even after Jesus had done all the teaching, all the preaching, and all the healing, and and please don't think I'm minimizing that in any way. I can look at a, at a, a, a night, June the 9th, 1977, when I was a kid coming out of a denominational background, and, and I was taken to a meeting where these charismatic people were and they were praying for the sick and I got my hands laid on me and my back was immediately healed from a from a tennis injury that I'd had it was kind of a chronic pain in my back for two years immediately instantaneously healed and the power of God came into my life and I was changed by a a healing touch from Jesus In no way, shape, or form. But see, you can get a healing touch for Jesus, but if you don't go on to maturity. I know that the, the, uh, what's the term, the the statement that you use here is, is reaching, healing, and maturing. See, many times people are, they're reached through a message. They experience healing. But the question is, do we ever go on to maturity? 
And, and, and we need family to do that. We need one another. We need relationships to do that. And after Jesus had done all the teaching, preaching, and healing, He still saw people that had needs. I, I, that was a big awakening to me as a 24-year-old kid that, that sermons were important, but people need more than sermons. That Bible lessons are important, but people need more than Bible lessons. That healing lines are important, but people need more than healing lines. Jesus Himself acknowledged after He had taught, after He had preached, after He had healed, that people still are like sheep without a shepherd. And so I began to pay attention to not just my sermons, but I began to realize I need to love the people that I'm ministering to. And sometimes what they need is more than a sermon. Sometimes what they need is a personal touch. Sometimes what they need is what we would call a pastoral touch. And let me just share something I believe. I don't think that you need to be the pastor to love pastorally. Any time that you exhibit Jesus to somebody, you are loving them pastorally. That doesn't mean you're the pastor. You know, there's a sense in which a person stands in the office of a pastor. Pastor Mark and Brenda stand in the office of senior pastors of this church, and they do a marvelous, marvelous job. But I'll tell you one thing I found is that my first dimension of ministry that I embraced as a young minister was teaching, preaching, and healing. And I wanted that, that was my hammer. That was the only tool in my toolkit. And then all of a sudden I realized, but you know what? Some people don't just need a sermon. Some people just need somebody to sit with them and listen to them and love them. And some people just need somebody to take them a bag of groceries. And some people just, you know, they, they need that personal, caring, attentive touch. And, and it doesn't matter where, whether you are recognized or have a title of pastor. Anytime that you represent the love of Jesus to somebody else, you're loving them pastorally. Small p, if you would. You're representing the shepherd's heart. And the word shepherd and pastor are the exact same words in the Greek language. What we translate in English, shepherd and pastor, it's all one word in the Greek language. So whenever you at your workplace exhibit care for somebody, you're being Jesus to them. You're letting the great shepherd exhibit his mercy and kindness and tenderness. So even if you're not a quote-unquote pastor by title or office, you are loving somebody like a pastor, pastorally. See, when somebody at your workplace is going through a great crisis, they may not need for you to bring them a sermon message. Now, sometimes they do. But maybe you just need to be Jesus to them. Maybe you just need to show kindness and mercy to them. There is a foundation of teaching, preaching, and healing, the ministry of the Word and the Spirit. But then Jesus said, but people were like sheep without a, a shepherd. 
So what I did in my own personal life is I went from just being a preacher, teacher, and, and you know, praying for people for healing to actually trying to be a caring, loving individual to them. Exhibiting Jesus' heart to them. Not just giving him, them Jesus' words, but giving them Jesus' heart through a pastoral care, through a personal touch. And you know what I found out as I began to open my eyes and, and my understanding to the, the hurts of people and the needs of people? I began to find out there are way too many hurting people in this world for me to personally carry their burdens and to meet their needs. I realized as a, as a pastor I could get up and preach sermons but not really love people. But I endeavored to open my heart and love people too. And you know what I found out? I found out it's overwhelming. I found out that the pain that people go through in life can be overwhelming when you really start to bear one another's burdens. And then all of a sudden I saw there's something else that Jesus said that kind of begins to tie this together. Then, look at... Matthew 9:37 Then he said to his disciples The harvest truly is plentiful but the laborers Everybody say laborers Laborers are what? Few. They're few. Jesus is he had been talking about first of all he was teaching preaching and healing then he recognized the need for shepherds. But then he says, the harvest is, lab- is plentiful, but the, the laborers are few. Here's what I found. Not everybody has a real pastor's heart. Some do. Some are not even pastors, but they have a caring heart. They, like in Romans 12, it talks about people that are mercy-motivated. People who are encouragers. Do you know anybody in your life that is a real encourager, but they're not a quote-unquote pastor? Anybody know somebody? They've just got that good encouraging gift. Uh, they, they have a mercy gift. Um, they are a, and, and they're willing uh, to, to, to work. But Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I believe what we have here are three dimensions of ministry. First of all, the ministry of the Word and the Spirit. Secondly, the pastoral, personal, care, loving, mercy toward people. And then finally, laborers. And the laborers, they may do some teaching and preaching, or they may be pastoral or not, but we need laborers who will all work together to get the job done. Do you see what Jesus was doing? He was giving us a multi-dimensional perspective of ministry. Foundation of teaching and preaching and healing. Added to that a level of loving pastoral care. And adding upon top of that a multiplicity. Everybody say multiplicity. Multiplicity. A multiplicity of, of laborers. 
I, I was in a church recently, and I, I'll not be overly specific because of the private nature of this, but I noticed that a, a young couple came forward for prayer. And it just seemed like they were struggling. It just seemed like they were, a, they were like a sponge. They were so hungry. They were, they were desperately needing. They were, they were hungry for anything from God. And you know, there's something refreshing about people who... I think that's why Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Sometimes I think we can get so self-satisfied and, you know, I'm pretty good in my Christian life and, yeah, most of my needs are met, I'm doing pretty good, and, and we just get to this place where we're coasting and, and we've really lost our, our yearning, our hunger for God. And, and this young couple, you, you could just sense, they were just like a dry sponge and, and they'd sit on the front row. And... Um, I noticed they came down. They were the first ones that we invited people to come down for prayer. They were right there, just like, lay hands on us. You know, we need the power of God. We need God's help in our life. And the pastor told me afterwards, he said, yeah, that couple's, they're fairly young in our church. They haven't been coming for a long time. And he began to describe, and I won't go into the details of it, but it's it an understandable, in her background, there were some issues that um, she was really struggling to get out from under it was some addiction issues. Um, and, and they had like three or four young children. And the pastor said when they first came, she would sit in the very back with her littlest one. And the pastor said that little one was just a squirmer. Just constant, you know, it was very young, but, but moving. And, and, and said it was obvious she couldn't get anything out of the service. And, um, and, and one of the, the ladies in the church, very lovingly, no, no, nothing negative at all, just said, you know, hon, I think you'd get so much more out of the service if, um, if, if you would go ahead and put your, your little one in the, in the nursery. And I don't remember what the age was, but, um, and the mom said, well, you know, I'd, I'd love to, but I just don't think my, my little one would do, do very good in there because, and, and the little one just never been away from the mom. And this lady in the church was so sweet. She said, well, you know what? I work in the nursery off and on. And she said, I'm going to personally, uh, and the church was such, and she knew the people in it. She said, I am personally going to individually care for your child in the nursery until your child gets acclimated enough to, um, you know, feel comfortable and you'll feel comfortable. But she said, in the meantime, uh, I will personally, individually take care of your child in the nursery. So that next Sunday, uh, when they came back, uh, they handed that child to that kind lady who is now working in the nursery. And she was there just to individually care for that one child. The child cried for 45 minutes solid. How many of you know that's not fun? <laughs> after, after, you know, the first 45 minutes, then the child kind of settled down. For three Sundays in a row, the child cried for 45 minutes. And this, this loving lady, though, said, look, I, I'm going to take care of your child. You go enjoy the service. So the mom, instead of sitting in the back with a squirmy, struggling child, came up and sat in the front row. 
And she started to hear. She started to absorb things that she could not have heard before. And after like on the fourth Sunday, the child cried for maybe 15 minutes and then started looking around and, hey, there's other kids in here having fun. (laughs) Cried for 15 minutes, but then played with the other kids for the rest of the time. The next Sunday, the child cried for the first five minutes and then looked around and said, they're having fun in here. Got down and had fun. Sunday after that, kid ran right into the nursery and uh, started playing, having fun. That mom has been getting progressively, and that couple has been getting progressively set free. And they've built relationships in that church now where people are surrounding them and loving them. And the pastor, the pastor by office told me that some of the ladies in the church have so adopted this young lady this young mom that when she has urges and she gets real frustrated and and maybe gets tempted to go back to some of those things that had her bound through addictions she picks up the phone and calls the people in the church who who have pastorally loved her without being the pastor are you understanding what I'm saying but see she's coming into church now every Sunday She's sitting on the front row, and and she is, you know what she's getting? She's getting that foundation of the Word and the Spirit in her life. And every time there's a prayer line, man, she's coming up, lay hands on me. I need the power of God in my life. And, and, And she's responding to the teaching, the preaching, and the healing. But it's not just that. Then she is not... A sheep without a shepherd. And so she's moving away from being distressed and harassed and dejected and helpless and whatever the other phrase was. Because it's not just that she's getting the Word and the Spirit, but she's being loved pastorally. She's not a sheep without a shepherd. She's got a senior pastor of the church who's feeding her the Word of God, but then she's got other people in the church who are loving her pastorally. And thank God there was one lady who was willing to be a laborer. Amen. Good, good, good. I'll tell you what, you talk about working for God, you hold a crying baby for 45 minutes. But she did that because of a pastoral love. And, and what my joy and what my excitement about, this is what we, we travel all around the world, and this is basically our message, is that, is that ministry is not a one-man show. Ministry is not just about the person in the pulpit. What God is doing in these last days, I believe, is He is is nurturing and cultivating a multi-dimensional church where every single person is activated in some way, shape, or form. They may not be the preacher. They may never stand behind a pulpit. But having received the Word of God themselves... And having undergone life transformation themselves, 
they will rise up to do one of two things or both of them, and that is to love other people pastorally. Do you ever notice how many times the Bible says, love one another? Be kind to one another. Have mercy toward one another. Pray for one another. It's not a pastor's job to do all of that. We're to do that with one another in the body. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Exhort one another. Love one another. Accept one another. Not just, not just a ministry where the Word is taught and the Spirit is in demonstration, but then when people are loved and encouraged, because it's not just that there's one person doing it, it's there's an entire culture of pastoral love and care and concern amongst themselves. And because we love, then we rise up to labor in that love. Jesus' prayer, I know he said, you pray for it. But I don't think he told them to pray for something he didn't pray for. I believe Jesus prayed that there would be a multiplication of laborers. Strong foundation of the Word and the Spirit. Build on that a lot of pastoral love and care. And then people who rise up to do labors of love. Guys are out in the parking lot, they're laboring in love. When people are working in the nurseries and in the children's departments, labors of love. When Pastor Tom and all the others are, are here, they're, they're laboring in love towards you. When, when Pastor Nancy and all the care people and all the small group leaders and all the people that are assuming responsibilities to, to reach and nurture and cultivate uh, maturity within people when they do what they're labors of love and I'll tell you what you have you have a multi-dimensional church at that time and a multi-dimensional church is able to accomplish so much this church doesn't have a one-point vision there's three elements there's reach reaching there's healing and there's maturing that in itself is multidimensional. One person can't do it all. One person was never meant to do it all. Uh, and I believe there's a call from God to the body of Christ at large saying, how many are going to rise up as laborers? Jesus prayed. And every time you volunteer, every time you step in to serve in the church, I believe you are answering Jesus' prayer for end time laborers. When you say, I will serve. And let me just say this. We can serve in formal positions in the church. But we can just serve spontaneously as we see incidental needs. Just you respond spontaneously to something. It's not a position. You don't have a title. But it's just, it's just a function that you do as you're led by the Spirit. I believe that God's call is going out around the earth for there to be a great awakening and a great uprising of laborers for the end time harvest. Thank God for preaching, teaching, and healing. I appreciate that as much as I ever, ever did. 
But I'll tell you what, I haven't diminished my value of teaching, preaching, and healing, but what I've done is I've added to that great appreciation for people who love pastorally. People who encourage, exhort, support, pray, listen, visit, just who love people in need. And I have come to a great appreciation for those who labor, uh, who, who say, God, I'm not just going to be a recipient at this church. I'm going to be a distributor at this church. Freely I have received. Jesus, freely I'm going to give. And then they begin to actively look for opportunities to serve. In positions or without positions. With titles or without titles. In some disciplined, structured way or just spontaneously as they see needs. But I'll tell you what, that's what God's looking for in the earth. How many of you want to be a laborer in the end time harvest? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for Heart of the Bay. Thank you for Pastor Mark and Brenda. Thank you, Jesus, for your example in ministry. Thank you that you taught and preached and healed. And you said that we were to take up that same assignment. That the works that you did would we do. And greater works would we do because you would go to the Father. But Lord, thank you, Jesus, for your shepherd's example. Thank you, Jesus, that you met with people individually. Thank you that you uh, met them at their point of need. Sometimes you would tell people, uh, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. But you met people individually at their point of need and your heart came out and thank you Lord that there can be a great culture of pastoral love and care throughout this congregation as believers love and care for one another and thank you Lord that we can labor thank you Lord you said in your word that that you were not unjust and you would never forget our labor of love and that we have ministered to one another and continue to minister to one another. And your prayer was that we would never grow sluggish in that. So, Father, thank you that you're helping us to be multidimensional believers and helping us that you're, uh, thank you that you're helping us to be a multidimensional church.